Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, designed to amplify and humanize the experience of immigrant Americans in the United States. We are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Subscribe so that you do not miss any episodes that are released every Wednesday. On this episode, we'll be sharing the story of Raymond Kanyu from Kenya. Welcome, Raymond. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. We're excited to hear your immigrant American story. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes. Um, uh, my name is Raymond uh, Babu Kanyu, um, and I am originally from Kenya. Uh, I came to the United States uh, uh, when I was just uh, a young man, um, and I, uh, you know, I tried to get a piece of the uh, of the American uh, dream, um, as it were. Uh, I am, you know, I've been involved in an advisory capacity for for American senators uh, in the state of New York. Uh, I've also uh, done the same for executives. Um, and uh, at the moment, I, I sit on the board of a, of a very disruptive uh, technology company, and I am in the process of building a, uh, an international affairs think tank uh, that uses collective intelligence uh, to reach at the heart of uh, the issues um, in the future uh, and also uh, arrive at solutions. Um, so that we can provide decision makers with uh, uh, with information um, that will uh, that will be useful uh, in reaching the objectives. Okay, very interesting. So you mentioned that you are from uh, Kenya. Do you have any family, any support system here in the United States, or did you come alone? I did. Uh, presently, I do not. Uh, I, I did. Um, so I came through uh, my parents, uh, my mother. Uh, she was a single mom, um, and she she uh, she brought us. I was um, thirteen years old uh, when I first came here. So um, you know, when you're young, uh, it's not really your choice. Um, I suppose you go where um, your parents uh, want you to go. And I think this this was the point that uh, that Obama was trying to to make um, for for those who came in um, when they were young and they didn't have a choice. You know, as as a man, as I've you know as I've grown to become the man that I am, I I realize you know uh, their you know risks and opportunities of doing so um, because sometimes when you move here, you're not fully aware 
of what to do. So you rely heavily upon the guidance um, of whoever brought you here. And sometimes that could go well and sometimes it could go uh, terribly um, in dictating uh, your path to the American dream as it were. Yes, yes, I can imagine. You were just a child, um, so we understand. So can you talk to us a little bit about what, um, back then, growing up, you know, did you have an American dream? What was it? And some challenges that you may have faced in pursuit of that American dream. Yeah, um, you know, when, when, when that question is asked, I, I fall back on, you know, as a philosophical creature, I fall back on, is there such a thing as an American dream? Uh, did it ever exist uh, in the first place? Um, you know, mm -hmm. why is it American? Why is it not just a dream or, you know, an inspiration or an aspiration? Uh, but to answer your question in a sense that um, that it it's meant, um, I, I I think being a child, you you you're just excited about moving to uh, a new place. Um, so for me, earlier on, I I didn't have uh, a notion of of what that could be. Uh, however, um, what I knew about the um, the nation um, uh, was that it's it's uh, it's a it's a it's a land of great people um, and uh, a land of opportunities, as you know, as as it was always advertised, you know, to immigrants. And you know, I knew it will be um, because uh, of the nature of the country being. Uh, developed I, I knew that uh, it would expose me to things that I would otherwise miss um, if I stayed home um, and so that's you know that's what kind of uh, that, that was a mixture of you know the mindset that I had uh, coming in however uh, we often joke uh, you know from from an African immigrant perspective that you know perhaps it's not your dream it's the dream of your parents um, and uh, in that sense um, you know uh, education was very important um, so uh, immediately that's the task that I took upon myself you know to to educate myself formally and informally about this place and the rest of the world um, which is what I did and um, you know, when you're young and you, you know, uh, you never interacted with your parents um, until you moved here, um, it's very strange because, you know, you have to respect that the relation afforded to you um, is, you know, is by blood and by umbilical cord. Um, and you have to follow that guidance. And, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, it was, you know, it was strange. It was strange uh, trying to to get to that, um, but uh, the educational uh, aspect of you know the dream, um, I knew that it would guarantee me a perspective of where I would like to go and what I would like to be uh, within the context of the American dream. Very good. So as I listen to you, a question pops into mind. 
Uh, and I, for, I'm sure our listeners are probably wondering too, for those of us who've never been to the African continent, can you give us a sense for what life is like in Kenya? What, what, is, what, it, what is it like in the country in general? Yes. Um, I, I was, I was uh, born and raised in, uh, in a rural area. So, you know, when you think of farm life, you know, something equivalent to someone living in, in the Midwest, you know, Idaho or uh, Champaign, Urbana, uh, where you have these uh, sprawling uh, farms that stretch across uh, the landscape. Um, and, you know, uh, I grew up near, uh, in the, in the region where Mount Kenya is. Um, so, you know, uh, the weather too was, was, uh, was slightly chill, um, which made the, uh, the adjustment, uh, better here, uh, when the, 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 the cold season, um, descended and, you know, living in such a simple life where you eat what you grow, um, you know, um, and also, you know, what you raise in, in terms of livestock. Uh, so that was the regular life. Um, so if you were not at school, um, then you were um, in the farm uh, doing that work. And so, um, you know, it's a very simple life, uh, you know, which is a stark contrast to moving to a big city Um and, you know, having to adjust to all the noise, you know, you move away from the peace and quiet. Now you have the noise. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's a very uh, different perspective, um, you know, compared to, to what I was accustomed to uh, when I was home. Yeah. So uh, but then you have uh, global cities like like Nairobi, which are, uh, you know, uh, it's cosmopolitan like uh, where you have a mixture of different cultures uh it's a meeting place for a lot of uh, africans um you know uh and it's 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 more evident now than it was before uh, because of the rise of, of of african cities where you have um you know where you have technology uh that's booming there uh we are a leader in in fintech uh for example um you know, and everything else, uh, you know, when you think about tourism, you're surrounded by animals, uh, you know, uh, so it's, 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 it's a different experience altogether. Um, so the adjustment was, um, was, uh, was difficult, I must say, um, you know, and it's, it was also the first time, I believe, um, I, I, I interacted with people of a different color. It was also the first time I was aware of mine. Because um, wow. by virtue of meeting another, that's when you become aware. Because prior to that, I had never thought to myself that, <laughs> you know, that it makes a difference what color you are. Uh, but mm-hmm. in America, that's, it's, uh, it's something that you, you have to deal with. Um, and that also was, was very difficult because you, 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 you were changed after that. And, you know, there's some things that you have to learn and then learn. Um, including how you view uh, human beings. Um, so, you know, I, I have to say that was, it was the first time I have experienced that. And I can say too, it changed, it changed me a lot. Um, you know, um, as I can imagine other people of color experience. Um, and, uh, you know, you would think something like that would change over the years. Um, but uh, when you hear people like 
Martin and the Dubois speak about the same things that we are speaking about now, then you realize um, these are things that have been going on for a very long time. Um, so you begin to ask, when uh, can 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 we all view each other as human beings, you know, beyond our color or our job description and so on and so forth. You know, these are categories that we've created that divide us and uh, have been injurious and detrimental to the American dream as defined. Right, right. So when you say, uh, just to kind of explain a little bit for listeners who may not understand, you mentioned that the bigger cities in um, Kenya, like Nairobi, are, are hubs for fintech. And is, is that financial technology, for example, do you, do you care to elaborate a little bit? Yes, uh, financial technology. Um, so a good example is M-Pesa, uh, which is a form of uh, mobile money transfer. Uh, and this was an idea created out of necessity uh, because you have... Uh, you know, for example, my grandmother lived in a very rural area uh, and it was remote as well. So uh, if she encountered an emergency and she needed, um, you know, some funds, you know, let's say within the hour, she would have to go maybe shower and then do a long walk to where the bank is, um, you know, because the roads, you know, were, were terrible or, you know, and she didn't have a car. So um, earlier it was uh, it was based on foot traffic. So she would have to walk all the way to the bank, um, wow. get the money, then, you know, maybe go to the vendor, get the goods and then, you know, organize for transport from there to, to bring the goods back home. Um, so this became a problem uh, because uh, there was this reckoning that, um, we have these, the, 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 the physical banks are uh, few and far between. Um, and that, that was more uh, pronounced in the, um, in the rural areas. So the idea came about uh, because you needed to, to feel like you can provide that service faster. So someone came up with the idea that you can use your phone as a bank. Um, mm. you know, and you, your, your SIM card can be attached to your number and that would be your, you know, uh, quote unquote account number. Um, so you would make these transfers immediately, you know, it's like, okay, so Simone is in a jam. I need to get her out. Um, I'll take your number. I'll, you know, I'll send you some money. You'll receive it immediately. And they also introduced the vendors to this service and the vendors will also have an account. So if you need to purchase something, instead of um, carrying cash, you could do it immediately and you know you, you pay them directly and uh, you receive the service or you, you become in possession of the goods that you've purchased uh, because you've already paid for them. Um, so it, it's created this cashless society and it's uh, lots of nations have tried to emulate it to the to the level of success that um, that Kenya has, but um, you know they haven't quite yet. Uh, but it's uh, it's picking up in a few nations where uh, where it's spread. Uh, but it all began um, in Kenya. Uh, studies have been done around it, um, and so on and so forth. And it's also inspired more fintech organizations. But this is just one example, and the the godfather of them all that spawned. The, uh, the 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 city as a international hub uh, for fintech practices. 
Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I had no idea. Quite interesting to hear. You also mentioned in your uh, previous comment when you shared about, you know, the first time recognizing that leading a person of a different color and, and recognizing your own, and you mentioned Martin and Dubois. So I, I'm thinking you're referring to Martin Luther King and W.B. Du Bois. Uh, the, the American pronunciation is Du Bois. Are those, am I correct? Yes, yes. Right, just for listeners who might be wondering as well, just to make that clear. Um, okay, uh, awesome. I'm, I'm glad I actually ventured off to ask you that question. That was quite interesting to get a sense of what life is like in Kenya. I think for me, when I think of that part of Africa, I think of safari, um, including like Tanzania and so forth. Is, is that fair to say that you guys do have a tourism that people come to see like the animals and so forth or am i misconstruing that to no no you're, you're not wrong in thinking that uh, we have a thriving uh, tourism industry um and uh, of course the pandemic has uh, you know has, has affected that uh, and, and you know including the uh, hospitality industry so hotels have suffered greatly but you know as we're becoming more comfortable with the pandemic and also as we're accepting it as as endemic, uh, a move away from pandemic, um, you know, things will, will pick up slowly. And um, we're also known for our marathon runners. In fact, most people usually go to that first, <laughs> uh, you know, yes. uh, we, we always take one, two and three, you know, first, second and third place um, in almost all marathons. Uh, it's usually us or the other usual suspects, Ethiopians. Ethiopian. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and, you know, there's more to us as well. Um, like I said, um, it's a cosmopolitan um, city, Nairobi is, uh, and, the, and, the, and the nation itself is diverse. We have uh, plenty of ethnic uh, tribes, over 50. Um, we have, um, you know, we have uh, great infrastructure. Um, if you look at, the, uh, uh, at an image of, of Nairobi city, uh, it's comparable to Atlanta, Chicago, uh, and so on and so forth. In fact, if you if you were to be shown and told that was in in in, in Nairobi, uh, you'd be amazed. Um, so you know, Africa is also moving in a very very uh, positive direction as far as the economy um, uh, prowess is concerned. Um, so that's that. And we also have a thriving tea industry, uh, agriculture, and also horticulture, which is uh, the agriculture for uh, flowers. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Most most of the uh, flowers that Europe receives actually comes from uh, from Kenya. Oh, awesome! So this is just a question that just popped up. Why do you think Kenya has the, as well as people may ask, why do Jamaicans have so many of the sprinters? What do you attribute the fact that Kenya usually has such long distance runners? Is it because of um, I don't know? Uh, is there a legend, or is it just because of hard work? It's hard work and also money is a great motivator because <laughs> um, in these competitions, you know, the dollar goes a long way back home when it's uh, exchanged into Kenyan shillings. Uh, the the equivalent of one dollar is, you know, approximately 100 shillings. Uh, it's slightly higher uh, at the moment. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's actually almost the same as the equivalent of a dollar and a Japanese uh, yen. 
uh, because a dollar is equal to 100 uh, Japanese yen, which by default would mean a Kenyan shilling is equal to a Japanese yen. Yet you can see the difference between the two countries in terms of uh, the, the economy. Um, mm. So it's a, mm. it's a strange and complex world we live in. Um, right. Yeah, uh, but um, you know, uh, the, to answer your question more directly, the um, the the runners, the physical frame um, of the 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 tribes that normally uh, venture into marathons um, allows them. Um, you know, it's, it's a skinny frame. I I I, I have the same too. We look younger too uh, than we, you know, that our age suggests. Um, based on that you know um and the uh the climate and the weather um if you live in the highlands um you have to come down uh from those highlands uh in order to you know go to the store go to purchase so most of the time you're either walking or running um so that comes naturally but uh that theory was uh taking out of the gate because we just had a sprinter who broke the african record for 100 meters and it was a kenyan so maybe this just happened uh late last year so i would imagine uh we are going to change that we also have fast runners it's just that uh the motivation was not there i remember when i was young um playing in you know playing football there were people who would run faster than some of these competitors that you see on TV, but you know, because they didn't have the opportunity or no one pushed them or nurtured that skill, uh, yes. they never thought um, that they could do it. Uh, so it just seems that the the marathon runners have been nurtured better. Their skills have been, you know, have found great platforms where they can spring into action, and uh, and we've become you know, the winners that the world has come to accept. We win them so much that during my time in the Netherlands, uh, there was a town that decided in their marathon winning, they're not going to allow Kenyans to come to run because they'll win. <laughs> so it defeats the purpose of them having the competition. And, you know, you you want to laugh, you, you know, because it is funny, but at the same time, you're like, okay, so when do we begin? Um, to, to challenge each other so that we can run. Because I've seen, um, I, I think there was uh, in the Boston Marathon, you've had uh, people from here win. So it's a skill. And I believe any skill uh, that is uh, that, that springs from the human body can be emulated by anyone. Uh, it just takes practice and effort, consistency and discipline. It's interesting that you mentioned about this town in uh, Netherlands, because I think Jamaica has been banned from a few things here in the United States. I have heard about the story of the spelling bee because we have the also the reputation of being great with academics as well. I've been here now for over 20 years and always aspired to when I have children, I'm bringing them back to go to school in Jamaica because I know the rigor that we have there. And so I think we've been banned from the spelling bee and from a few other competitions as well because we tend to do very well. So, I mean, I guess it could be in the spirit of competition or 
I suppose it's here in the United States and they want to create the space for people who are here in the country. So I, I get that perspective, but I, I completely understand and relate to what you're saying. The other question coming up here is whether you could speak to any opportunities that came along on, you know, on your on your path to going after, you know, what your dream was as you were here from such a young age opportunities and, and other things that helped you to be become the professional that you are today. Could you speak to that? Sure. Um, man, uh, keeping an open mind um, is, <laughs> you know, is and, you know, has always been um, the greatest asset that one can have um, in this country. So um, it allowed me to, to see opportunities that others wouldn't. Um, and because I knew, um, you know, I've always liked studying. I was a curious creature from, from, uh, from the very beginning. And so uh, one of the greatest opportunities that I, that I you know, stole a chance, um, and I mean that uh, in the sense of the word, was uh, uh, the Atlantis uh, dual degree program, which allowed me to to earn a, um, a graduate degree on this side of the pond and one on the other side of the pond in Europe. Um, mm. It thrust me into this different culture as well. Um, you know, I during my time, the first time I traveled after moving here was um, to Canada for the Caribana Festival, which is, you know, if you haven't been, you have to go. Uh, they usually have uh, the weekend parade. Um, I believe it's the first weekend of August. Um, in they, it, It's in Toronto, yes, Toronto, uh, Canada, uh, where you have this mixture of, of, of cultures. So the first time since moving here uh, that I left the country was in, in, you know, going to this festival. And I felt at home because there they use the metric system, right? So you have on the road, instead of miles, you have kilometers. Um, you know, and so forth and so on. So uh, by using all the metrics, by, by using the metric system, I felt quite at home because um, even in temperature, they measure in degrees Celsius as opposed to degrees Fahrenheit. And I questioned, I was like, why, why don't, don't we do that here? You know, because it makes sense. And, you know, you begin to realize, uh, I believe, you know, that this is uh, one of very few uh, countries that don't use the metric system, if not the only country that uses the metric system uh that does not use the metric system so when i went to europe i saw that they use the metric system too uh but not only that when you're in europe you are within reach of so many countries depending on where you go so i went to germany that's right Mm -hmm. yeah i went to germany so i did this backpacking you know slowly you know uh on the weekends you hop on a train you know and you go to a different you find yourself you're oh I'm in Netherlands. Oh, I'm in, you know, I'm here. I'm, and even the flights were cheap. You know, I remember taking a flight from Berlin to Copenhagen in, um, in, in Denmark. And I only paid 32 euros. <laughs> and I said, this is, you know, this is a joke. Uh, but, you know, I enjoyed the experience, um, you know, just interacting with all these. But the first thing that always breaks my heart when I travel, uh, you know, which happened in this case was in every country that I visited, it was almost a stark realization of how far uh, we as Africans had to go, Hmm. you know? Um, So it's a sad feeling, but at the same time, it's not good to compare because the elements that make it 
you know, possible for these stations to be where they are are not the same uh, like we did. But, you know, that was a growing process. You know, you had to arrive at that. But being that we are visual creatures, it's in your face. You know, you can see, you know, so you begin to question, well, how come we're not doing, you know, our, our best to get to this level um, and so on and so forth. So uh, that was one of the best opportunities I ever got in life, you know, just to be in Europe. And I used it too, because um, shortly after my time in Germany, I went to Netherlands, where I became a permanent resident. And um, I enjoyed my time there. Uh, so much so that I always joke, <laughs> that that's where I'm going to retire. There's a, it's a UN uh, capital too, but what is it called? Uh, Den Haag, The Hague. Um, yes. And it's such a peaceful city. Mm-hmm. You know, so peaceful. Then you're close to Shevin King. Um, I'll butcher the name. It's a long name, and the Dutch language is a very harsh language. Um, <laughs> you know, to pronounce. Uh, it's not like the romantic languages that come easily uh, to the tongue and mind. But uh, there's a there's a beach um, that's not too far from uh, from the city center. Uh, beautiful sunsets, uh, great architecture, rich history. The Dutch have a very rich history. And then you realize it's such a small nation, yet it managed to conquer the world. Hmm. You know, um, they also had the first stock exchange, had the first stock market crash in the tulip crisis. Um, you know, they, they, they hit first on, on, on a lot of things then. And they're very, very, as far as infrastructure is concerned, they're head of many nations in the world. And they have to be because their country uh, is, uh, you know, their, their land rather is stolen from the ocean. Um, it's so uh, low uh, as far as sea level is concerned that, um, you know, uh, sometimes the sea reclaims, or uh, rather the ocean reclaims some of it. So they've had to be very um, intuitive uh, and very innovative uh, when it comes to uh, setting up the infrastructure uh, due to this fact. Um, and, you know, so you, you get to see all those things and how frugal they are, for example, um, in the sense that uh, they they uh when they spend on the economy they spend wisely um i'll give you a good example right uh, their prime yes. minister takes his bicycle from his residence to the parliament oh wow no caravan of security or assistance nothing no cars you know it, I contrast that to the president of 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 uh, of my country for example if if he if he goes to a town oh he has like i don't know a hundred cars a huge entourage yeah so many people someone to hold the cup of tea (laughs) and mind you all these people are being paid where that money could be saved and be used to improve the livelihood of the people that put him in in power um you know the electorate so uh it's a strange contrast and then we are struggling yet the dutch are doing a much better job so right. you, you start to see the mistakes or, you know, or how choices lead to certain economic ends um, and so on and so forth. So the exposure there um, through uh, the opportunity of the Atlantis dual degree program assisted me um, in that respect. And shortly before that, I was in Japan, where I also saw how our culture is more like the eastern side. It's the first time I understood what people meant by east and west. 
Mm, okay. Because it's a cultural perspective and a worldview. You know, I'll give you an example. Um, in Japan, as soon as the plane landed, uh, I remember taking a flight from Tokyo to, uh, I think it was Kobe. And uh, once we landed, uh, even the, you know, those, those people who control the traffic once the plane is on the ground. As soon yes, as yes. he completed uh, controlling the traffic, he just took a bow on the plane. And the train conductor did the same thing after he had checked all the tickets on these uh, speedy trains. They have some of the fastest trains. Um, you know, finished, take, you know, checking all the tickets, made sure everyone had a ticket. So before he switched cars, he turned around, looked at the, uh, at the passengers and took a bow. Or at a meeting that I was um, at the Shinjuku Washington Hotel, um, uh, there was uh, there were two gentlemen. I would imagine they came from a meeting, and uh, the older one was being escorted by the younger one to the elevators. You know, I would imagine to bid him goodbye. And the moment he entered, um, they just bowed to each other. No words, simply actions that that show uh, a level of humility I'd, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you begin to understand they're more about being harmony with each other and nature. And then on this side, it's, you know, we've all seen how capitalism reigns supreme. You know, we want to make money out of anyone we see, you know, um, or we want to, you know, it's, it's a strange contrast because um, this is just one example. Uh, but there's so many enough for there to be a difference between the East and the West and how they view the world and how they approach it. Even the Chinese, uh, you know, uh, how they view it. But then you see similarities which are described within the Hofstede's um, cultural dimensions where the Japanese and the Germans are very similar in how they operate. They're very strict. They're, they like to be on time. Uh, and that also helps them uh, do well in mathematics and in engineering. And mm-hmm. it is demonstrated in their mechanical engineering as far as the production of motor vehicles and the quality of those motor vehicles. So, um, you know, exposing yourself to the world allows you to understand the world itself uh, and how it works. And I think I would have not gotten those opportunities if it weren't for education. Right. And your mom bringing you across the seas, right? Exactly. It's very intriguing to listen to you talk about your experiences. You made one comment earlier um, that I just wanted to get a little bit more clarification. You said to yourself, why is it um, that Africans had to come so far or do we have a far way to come? Can you explain that? What I mean by that is in in economic terms uh let me let me put it in a different perspective that might be uh easier to understand uh prior to independence around between nine between 1950 and 1960 um kenya economically speaking was ahead of malaysia Mm. yet where we stand Malaysia is far ahead than Kenya. Um, if if, if um, growth is supposed to be linear uh, and incremental based on how much you gain and how much it's injected back to produce more, um, then we have failed miserably. How we did that, 
is a complex matter altogether. Um, mm. So that's what I meant. That's what you see first, because uh, if if you've lived there, um, you realize gradually when you do the comparison where we are going wrong. For example, our leadership fails us in the fact that all the foreign direct investment that comes in, um, maybe you know, out of the hundred that comes in, maybe only twenty-five ever gets to be injected into the project that it was meant to be. The rest ends up in the purses and pockets of politicians and the businessmen who um, who are in charge of this. Now, that's, in my thinking, uh, a robbery of the public. Um, and, you know, it's commonly referred to as corruption uh, because that's exactly what it is. So, you know, the lack of transparency and accountability has cost us um, a lot um, and then there's there's also the you know the the visual aspect of it um, where you're seeing um, you know things like you know um, investment into infrastructure uh, and how um, it helps you know like building roads helps transport goods and services and make the economy move faster Mind you, we have enough food to feed everyone, but sometimes that food just, you know, ends up going bad uh, because it never got to be sold. And we don't mm-hmm. talk about that, but there's a, there's a company that's, uh, that's picked up on that opportunity called Trigger, uh, and they're making a lot of noise uh, in the world as far as, uh, you know, uh, innovation for uh, services and the supply chain is concerned. Um, where they will take, you know, these surpluses and distribute them to where they're needed. Of course, they're making money out of it. This is not, you know, out of the kindness of their heart, but, you know, it's making sure that nothing goes to waste. Um, right. So, it's like business, I said, right? um, the elements that contribute to the development of a country are very different. And to compare is uh, to make a mistake. Do you think perhaps, um, I hear that same argument um, about other countries as well. Do you think it's a cultural thing? Why um, Kenya perhaps may have fallen behind or is it, I'm trying to figure out, like, is it just, you know, the w- different cultures and the way things are seen and the change might take a little bit longer to be, take root in the country compared to Malaysia, as you spoke about earlier. Of, uh, of culture. So in business culture, you know, how we, how we do business, um, you know, in the example that I explained, if the funding was given to, to, um, to handle a specific task, then it should be utilized in that way. Right. And, if it doesn't get used in that way, then you have to look at the leaders and say, um, this is where you went wrong, but what makes you make these decisions? And most people who enter into these lofty positions come in with humble ambitions. But then when they get in there, they find that others have been doing the same. Yes. So you feel like, okay, I have to eke out a living out of this position and I'll be, you know, um, ostracized if, if, if I don't 
you know, do the same thing. Um, so there's that pressure too. Um, right. The path of least resistance, need, right? Yeah. Like we need more good people um, in, in, in positions so that they can inspire those that come in um, instead of downgrading them, um, you know, to a level that they didn't aspire to be. Because um, that the, the, the psychology of those decisions um, affects the public uh, in ways you and I cannot begin to understand. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And then it leads into the other generations coming up and the impact on them and whether the change will continue or just the same, you know, things will become normalized, right? The behavior just becomes normalized. Unfortunately, I, I get your point. I think we talked a little bit about challenges, but do you have anything specifically regarding any big, big surprise or area of adjustment that you had to make aside from the huge difference in climate and weather? Um, anything that you had to change or adjust yourself to in order to become successful and you know flourishing here in the United States, as well as your, you've traveled to Europe and other countries. So could you share a bit on that? Yes. Uh, so to answer your question, um, challenges uh, that that abounded um, during during my time that that I was able to overcome. Um, one was, you know, the 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 differences in in culture, um, and that happens everywhere you go. Um, but uh, you know, because you feel like sometimes you almost don't fit the mold. You know, mm. you feel like you have to give up a bit of yourself so that you can become uh, what you're required um, to become so that you can move ahead. Um, but also the vigilance and the awareness to know when to do that and when to dispense with it. Um, mm. So those those are some of, you know, the, the obvious challenges. Um, and, you know, the other one, because if you don't handle that, for example, it affects how you get along with the country and, and her people, uh, regardless of where you go. Um, and this is why I stressed on the most important asset that um, anyone can have, um, you know, going into a new place is an open mind. You know, because once you have that, you're able to adjust quickly um, uh, to your surroundings. You're able to adapt and, 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 and move into, um, you know, the scheme of, of or the order of things, as it were, um, wherever you are. Uh, and sometimes that's not a pleasant experience mm. because you wish you could just be yourself. And, um, you know, you, you have to become that so that you can move ahead or you can provide for whoever depends on you. Um, or so that you can stick to your objective uh, because the end sometimes uh, justifies the means. Um, so that's, you know, those, those are some of the challenges. Um, and you see a lot of people um, who either do a great job um, of that or a terrible one, uh, depending on the outcome. Um, but I would imagine a world where we can all live um, like we want to live or be as we want to be um, or be accepted 
as we are uh, is a world that none of us um, has has never witnessed. Um, right, right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's not just an American thing. Um, it's everywhere. Right. And yeah. the funny thing about it is there are people who come here from other countries because of that dream that this is the place where they can finally express their, for example, they have religious freedom, be able to, like, certain women can't work in certain places. They'll probably finally be able to pursue an education, learn to drive, like, the simplest of things. This is, like, the dream and hope of, of the United States of America is that this is the place where people can come and have that sort of freedom, but yet you're expressing the opposite, right? Yes, um, and, and, and I can give a good example, uh, which, which has been playing out in, in the media. Uh, uh, there's uh, a tremendous support uh, for the LGBTQ movement. Um, and let's say the, the animal rights movement um, yeah. and tremendous progress, yet we are still discussing the same things that Dubois and MLK did. To bring things to a close, any advice that you would give to new immigrants um, to help them to adjust to the new culture or to become successful contributing residents or members of the American society? Sure. Um, uh, I'll go back to what has helped me, which is keeping an open mind. So first thing you need to do is keep an open mind. Um, and then the second thing you need to do is never forget who you are or where you come from. I have this theory um, that most people who really, really like are diehard American, because there's no such thing, you know, everyone who came here came from somewhere. So at some point during the generational exchange, you know, when you move from one generation to the next, um, it's the responsibility of the previous generation to remind the new generation of their roots. And... Mm -hmm. The only link that most of us have is through our last name, right? Like mm -hmm. I can tell McTominay is from Scotland, right? Or mm -hmm. I can tell uh, Adebayo is from Côte d'Ivoire uh, and so on and so forth. Um, but they speak, sound, act, and walk like an American. So what it is to be an American uh, still remains a fluid definition um, but those who end up aligning together are those who still remember where they come from and this is from experience mm -hmm. so I always express this that if you forget where you come from then you've lost your identity and that's why it's easier to assume the identity of an American so who is an American is a question that will forever remain in suspension. So I always say to everyone, do not forget, it's an advice I was given to when I came here, do not forget who you are and where you come from. Because when you do that, you lose your identity. And I almost do not want to believe that being an American suggests that you must forget who you are. I don't want to believe that. I believe mm. America is a land where everyone uh, can be, uh, you know, from where they are and still get along. 
But of course, that statement and reality are contrasting. Um, so very much so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we'll leave it at that because um, that's a heavy one. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. I'm saying it. I'm realizing it. Um, but yeah. Yes. Yes. So we've started with a new segment on the show where we that we call FOPA. And I wondered if you had any chance to think about it and if there is any one thing that you would recommend or advise new residents or people that are trying to understand the American culture, um, things not to say, one thing not to say, one thing not to do, whichever you choose. What not to do is, you know, don't think that you are, you know, because some of us come from cultures that have so much pride, right? And when you come and interact with other cultures here, you you think that your 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 culture is 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 wiser, is much better than a different one. Mm-hmm. Um, so what not to do is uh, consider yourself um, of a higher echelon than everybody else, you know. And what to do is express humility because in humility we find understanding and that's how humans get along we don't get along based on our job descriptions or where we come from we get along because we have a similar human experience i cry you cry right i bleed you bleed you know i i laugh when i'm excited about something so we laugh together Um, And maybe your sense of humor is not the same as my sense of humor, but we both are born as empty vessels and anything that we elect to put in it begins to define us from an early age. Um, So, you know, always remember that. Um, Just be humble. Um, If everyone were humble and approached the American experience that way, I think we will be uh, very far. And it's not too late. We can begin that but that will take generations. Um, Right. Wow. Very well said. We are yet a country in progress, right? Still moving towards a better tomorrow, a better future, where we'll never give up hope, right? So we thank you, Mr. Kanyu, for joining us today on the Immigrant Experience in America. Your very last statement is underline the the reason why this show exists. We exist to humanize the immigrant American experience. You've shared with us quite a bit of wisdom today, and uh, I'm so honored to have had this conversation with you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, The feeling is is mutual, uh, uh, and uh, I'll be forever grateful for the opportunity, and as long as these words find good ears and mind, I'll be at peace. Very well, very well. Thank you so much. If you would like to share your Immigrant American story, please feel free to contact us at 240-232-5579 or you can email us at info at thedreamacademy.us. Thank you. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. 
If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence. <laughs>